0: This morning is an exciting morning, uh, and it's a reminder to me how much and why I love this group of people so very much. Thank you for being a part of what's going on here. Thank you for letting God use you. I am incredibly excited about who we have been, what God has done through us, what God is doing right now, and what God is going to do in the future. So, I know this is strange. I'm jumping right into things, and we haven't even sung a song or anything, so it feels really weird, but I am going to just jump right in because we've got a lot of stuff this morning uh, that we're going to talk about, a lot of things that we're going to do. We're going to sing a lot of songs and say prayers and take the, the Lord's Supper, and we're going to dig into God's Word, but in order to kind of set the stage for all of that, I want to remind us of what we did six months ago. Six months ago, we we had our one church event. If you were there, you know how awesome it was. There was over 1,100 of us gathered at Allen High School and all worshiping together. And it was just a tremendous Sunday. And and you probably don't remember what I preached about because that's been a long time ago. But I'm going to remind you that we talked about a church from Scripture that changed the world. A church that impacted people all over the world. A church that has impacted your life, whether you knew it or not, this church has changed your life. The reason you are known as a Christian, the reason you think of yourself in in that term, Christian, is because of this church. Not this church, but the church we talked about, the church at Antioch. Antioch was a tremendous church. It was a large church. It was the church that really first fulfilled the Great Commission in their own community. It was a large, multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi Christ-centered, mission-minded church that was all about coming together and letting God work through them. And we talked about how that church was the kind of church we want to be. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to look at Acts chapter 11, just as a reminder of what we talked about that morning and kind of set the stage for everything we're going to talk about this morning. So Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen in Jerusalem, they were scattered. They traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, the Greeks, the Gentiles, preaching the Lord Jesus. And then it says in verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them, the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. It's a reminder that God cares about numbers. Numbers. And so should we. And in Antioch, there were a great number who believed and turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And he came and saw, I love this, he saw the grace of God, and he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he, wa- he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and again, Luke says, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And as we sort of follow the story of the Antioch church through the pages of Scripture, mostly in Acts, but also in other places, we see that they, because they had a great many people, because God worked with them to bring a great many diverse people together, they had the manpower and the resources to reach people in their community, to minister to people in their community, to minister to people in neighboring communities in the region, and to minister to communities in faraway lands to minister to communities all over the world. Because there were a great many people all working together, faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, they left a legacy of ministry all over the world. And the church here at McDermott Road believes that God is calling us to do the same sort of thing, to leave a legacy of ministry all over the world that God is bringing together a great many people, that this church is called to be, like Antioch, a large, multi-ethnic church family that ministers to our community, first and foremost, and ministers to neighboring communities, and ministers to faraway communities. That this church, like the church at Antioch, is being called to leave a legacy of ministry All over the world. And two weeks after our one church event, you might remember the ministers and the shepherds all stood up here on the stage, and we talked about how we have this desire, this vision, this calling from God to be a church that shines brightly in the world, to be a city set on a hill, to be a church that has and leaves a legacy of ministry all over the world. And we talked about some of our restraints physically in our facilities and how we want to be able to accommodate our current growth and our future growth so that we can bring more families into this church family and experience what we experience, enjoy what we enjoy, and to minister to them and to have their manpower and resources that we might reach more families in this community and in neighboring communities and communities all over the world. So we, we talked about how, as shepherds and ministers, we were going to be working on this brighter together idea and praying about and working on how do we, how do we do, go about that growing and accommodating the growth that God is sending our way. So this morning, we've got three other brothers that are going to help me this morning that are leading that program and that ministry to think about how do we expand our facilities in order to do what we're called to do and reach more people in our community neighboring communities and in faraway communities. And Brother Steve Ellis and Brother Quentin Mims and Brother Richard Beasley are all going to come and we're going to talk about this church and what God has done with us, what God is currently doing, and what God will be doing with our church family. And we're going to be worshiping and praising God and thanking Him and celebrating Him and allowing the scriptures and, and churches like the church in Antioch to Spur us on to love and good deeds. Let's go to God in prayer before we start. Most Holy Father, Lord, we are challenged by the legacy that the church at Antioch has left. Father, that they reached out into their community and they taught a great many people and they were willing to do whatever it took to bring those families into their church community and then to reach out to other communities and the communities all around the world and plant churches and send missionaries and do great things that you might be glorified, Father. Father, may we be the same kind of church. May we leave a legacy that brings glory and honor to you through the name of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen.
1: A few of you may remember Back in August of 1998, the first worship assembly of the group that was preparing at the Waterview Congregation in Richardson to come north and to be part of the church plant here on McDermott Road. The speaker, the preacher that very first Sunday was Truett Adair, who was early in his tenure as the director of the Sunset International Bible Institute in Lubbock. And Truett took as his text the chapters in Acts that dealt with the Antioch Church and how God had planned and worked through the Antioch Church to take Saul or take Barnabas and Saul, later known as Paul and Barnabas, and to send them out on a really a, a campaign across the world. On a missionary campaign to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And Truett challenged those McDermott Road pioneers to think of how God might be able to work through them and what they could do and what God could do through them over the following 20 years and beyond. And of course, Wes has just mentioned when we were together last fall almost 20 years to the day after that first service. And Wes spoke from Acts chapter 11 and 14 about the work of the church in Antioch. Of course, Wes wasn't with us back in 1998, so he didn't know that that was what the first service lesson was. And as we look at that passage, I'm looking at chapter 14 of Acts, We see Luke telling us in verse 26, talking about Paul and Barnabas when they had sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles Just like God had worked great things through the Antioch Church and more specifically through Paul and Barnabas to spread the gospel to the Gentiles, God has done great things through the McDermott Road Church, through his servants here at McDermott Road over the last 20 years. Back in 1998, there were a group of about 50 families they began to worship together to plan to be part of the plant, the launch of the, the congregation here on McDermott Road. The first service here, actually in the modular across the across the, the way, was the first Sunday in April of 2000. And as this uh, picture shows, that modular sitting in the middle of this 12-acre lot was how this congregation was launched. And then in 2003, 2003, about 200 families began to prepare for the, the, the building of this building. This building was completed in 2004. Actually, on Valentine's Day weekend was the first service in this building precisely 15 years ago. And then in 2007, the congregation with about 350 families began to prepare and plan for the children's education wing. And that building was ready just in time for Vacation Bible School in 2009. And now here in 2019, we have over 650 families. And we all eagerly await how God will work through us in the next chapter of the work of the kingdom of God here in this place. But more importantly than the buildings that we have, it is how has God worked through each one of us and through us as a congregation. I'm reminded, you saw that first picture, that first picture that flashed up. In the middle of that picture was Fred Rains with the hat more, more symbolic of maybe Tom Landry and the fedora than what we commonly have here. But he had Fred with his hat, with the shovel at the, at the first groundbreaking here. And God worked very powerfully and visibly through Fred and many others to launch this congregation. I'm also reminded of how God has worked through this congregation to welcome new people. I think about a man that moved into this area from out of state, desperately looking for a place to worship and grow spiritually. And you loved this man and his wife. You encouraged him, and you challenged him spiritually so that he could grow spiritually and became a great servant here. I also think about how God has worked through you to mentor our young, A family that first came here, a a young man with a family that first came here when he was a teenager. You mentored, you loved him, you taught him, and you encouraged him and took him on many mission trips as a student here. And when Ryan Carroll graduated from college, he spent two years as a gospel missionary in Estonia. I also think about how God has worked through you to take care of those who are in need. Think of a family, a young couple that had a house fire and lost all that they had. You surrounded them, you comforted them, you supported them, and ultimately you loved them into the kingdom of God. Also think about how God has used you to comfort those who are in pain. Think about a few years ago, a young couple here, Derek and Lindsay Kreitz. how you came alongside them as they said goodbye to their baby, the cemetery of their newborn. You loved them. You hugged them. You encouraged them. You served them. And I think about how God has worked through you to teach the lost. Literally hundreds of you have participated in mission trips to Honduras, to South Texas, to Estonia, to Northern Mexico, to Nicaragua, and all around us as you have loved and taught and encouraged And serve those who are eager to hear the gospel of Christ. We could go on and on with the examples of how God has worked through you individually and collectively. But I'll leave it with one last example that's very personal to me and my family. As I think about how you loved and prayerfully served my family and me as we waited day by day for my oldest son, Kevin, to awake from the coma that he was in because of a car wreck in 2004. God has been gracious to us as a family. We have the joy now of, of worshiping here with Kevin and his lovely wife, Stephanie, and their three children, along with all of you. And to God be the glory for all that he has done through you individually and through us collectively. All of that is to the glory of God's name, and God has done much, and can do much, and will do much because of your humble submission to him.
2: morning, church. Just a few minutes ago, Quentin walked us through some of the early years of the congregation and talked to us a little bit about some of the things that have happened in the past. 1998, 50 families. 2003, uh, 200 families. 350 families in 2007. And those are watershed moments for this congregation because they represent unique moments of truth. And many of you in this room were here for those moments. And I know that each of you prayed earnestly for God's will before those moments. And you prayed for the future you invested in the future. You stepped out in faith, and you entrust, you trusted in God's plan to invest in people that you hadn't even met yet. Whether you know it or not, the people that you were investing in were me and my family. See, we didn't arrive here until after the end of the Next Generation Now campaign, and, and the education uh, building had already been built. When we arrived from the Pacific Northwest, this wasn't even the closest church to us. We passed three or four other congregations in order to get here. And we did so after visiting because we could see the Holy Spirit at work here. And we could see God's plan coming to fruition. It was really the undeniable evidence of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you that drew us here. My children were taught to love God here. They were taught in the education building. They took classes in uh, the portable. Some of those classes were leakier than others, but (laughs) they still enjoyed them. They learned to love God, and they gave their lives to the Lord here. I even had a child who was married here and started her own future. And it was because that you invested in us before you even knew who we were, that all of this happened. And I want to personally thank you for that. One of the other reasons we enjoy the McDermott Road Church so much is because of the opportunity to serve. And it's those opportunities represented by the various ministry areas that I can see the servant heart growing in my children, growing in myself, and growing in each of you. But it's also that servant heart that brings us closer to our creator and allows us to serve others in the kingdom. As we just read in in, uh, Luke, I'm sorry, we just read in Acts, recorded by Luke, Barnabas arrived in Antioch and he saw what the grace of God had done there and he was glad and he encouraged them and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And like Barnabas... I can look around this church and see what the grace of God has done here. I can see that a great number of people have been brought to the Lord because of the trust and the faith that you had in them and that you've shown over the years. As we sit here today, I think we are uniquely positioned. God has blessed us with a lot of resources. We're currently in one of the fastest-growing areas in the country. We have exceeded our budget in 2018 every single month and have continued that trend so far in 2019. And so far for the first six weeks of the year, our average attendance is the highest that it's ever been in our 20 year history. And we have land on which to expand. Both our first and second services have to take advantage of the fellowship hall now if we go back to going back nine years to when my family arrived and i'm sure some of you are thinking i can't believe it's already been nine years and there's others others of you thinking it seems like he's been here forever <laughs> but in in my opinion when we arrived here this was a church that had the most ministry areas that, that we'd ever been associated with now we've great we've greatly expanded those ministry areas and we're reaching people not only in our community but across the country and even across the world. And I believe God has positioned us better in our current state than we've ever been in our, uh, in our uh, history. And we're positioned to expand his kingdom. On our Sunday morning adult classes uh, this quarter, we've been studying the minor prophets. And we read consistently about the building and the rebuilding of the temple. And as Paul tells the church in Ephesus... We are fellow citizens with God's people, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ as the chief cornerstone, and we are being built together in him to become a dwelling place in which God can live by his spirit. As we grow, God's kingdom grows. So just like those who came before, we have an opportunity to invest in our future once again, to step out in faith to see a whole new generation of families raise their children. The church at Antioch, as we've talked, has been a world-changing church. They encouraged each other, they focused each other, and they focused on equipping them for the work of the ministry. I'm sure they had a lot of questions, probably even some doubts too. But one thing that they knew was the inescapable call of, of expanding the God's kingdom and using the resources that were available to them. And, of course, as uh, Wes already mentioned, Antioch was the first place where they were called Christians, where they really made a name for God and for Christ. We have an opportunity to take the next step towards accepting God's call to be a world-changing church here. Like the church in Antioch, I'm sure there's going to be questions. I'm sure there's going to be doubts. But without questions and without doubts... Faith can't be perfected. I'm excited for the future. A future where not only can we expand this dwelling place, but we expand the dwelling place of God in his kingdom. I don't want you to leave here today thinking that this is only about a building. This is about investing in the future, growing our faith, It's about providing opportunities for people that we haven't even met yet and to help them grow their faith along with us. To God be the glory.
3: Good morning, church. What was it about that church in Antioch? What was it that drove this church to be used by God for his purpose? And what can we learn from their example to use in the future? I think Acts 13:1 gives us some key insight if we'll stop and look at it. The prophets and teachers listed there are as follows. First of all, there's Barnabas. He's a Levite. He's not a descendant of Aaron priest, tribe of Levi. He's just a Levite. And the Levites took care of the temple. The Levites did all the work to make sure sacrifice and worship was easy for everyone else kind of a blue-collar working group of guys. The second one, a guy named Simeon. <clears throat> now, the only thing we know about Simeon is that he's a leader there in the church at Antioch and that he's dark-complected because he's Simon, also called Niger. Then there's Lucius, a Greek-speaking North African who comes from a Roman province. Two straight-up Gentiles here in the leadership of this early church. Then there's a guy named Manan who is in alignment with the Herodian dynasty. Now, if you know anything about the first century Jews, you know that they didn't like at all this whole notion of a Herodian dynasty. Why? Well, the Romans had put them in charge, and they looked at them much like the common people looked at the tax collectors who were also in cahoots with Rome for their purpose. So, not well-liked. And then finally, we have Saul of Tarsus, classic Pharisee, knew the law better than anyone, right? Also knew your sins as well as anyone. And yet, when it came time for God to teach this new church, this new faith about grace, he tapped Saul of Tarsus who became the Apostle Paul on the shoulder. But when you think about these five guys together, And now they came from different countries and perspectives and even look different. (laughs) These people should not be getting along, should they? But they did. 2,000 years ago, they didn't care what society, their family, or their culture said. They remembered their Savior. And they remembered that their Savior spoke to the Samaritan woman who had had five husbands. And loved her. That he had among his fellowship. Among his disciples. A tax collector named Matthew. And somebody on the other end of the spectrum. Simon the zealot who wanted to overthrow Rome. All by himself. And he had a bunch of blue collar fishermen. That all. Worked together. They remembered that example. Because they knew that God through his son Jesus, knew the most important thing to do was to love God with all his heart and mind, soul, and strength and love their neighbor as themselves. And they remembered that example. And as Wes pointed out earlier, because that was the culture and that was the feel of the church in Antioch, a great number of people were attracted to this church. And because they had a great number, they could do unprecedented things ministry missions and benevolence this wasn't by accident i believe god placed a stewardship mandate on the hearts of the of the church at antioch so that they would make the very most of their resources they considered their people their wealth their vision of the kingdom they listened and adhered to the teaching of scripture and they prayed diligently for god to use them and with this formula, God worked through them to build his kingdom. We believe that's what God is doing at the Church of Christ on McDermott Road. We want others to come join us so we can accentuate our mission as a church. To teach the Bible is the only source of authority. To be a New Testament church and have a leadership model that's in harmony with the scriptures to promote the praise of God through a cappella worship, to be able to teach the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, to expand local and international ministry and missions. But most of all, when history is written on this church, we want to be a church that loves God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loves their neighbor as themselves because according to Jesus that's what's most important and we saw their work in Antioch we want to take the next step in developing God's vision for the church of Christ on McDermott Road and Tim if you will pull up that quick history that Quentin showed a minute ago so here's the quick history 2000 April the modular we open up then in 2004 we add the worship assembly uh, building that we're in now in the fellowship hall. And then in June of 2009, the educational building was completed and, and, and put to work. In order to be brighter together, this is how our footprint would look on this campus, adding a new youth and admin space to replace the modular and a much larger worship space. Here's some exterior looks of of how they would look from McDermott and then from the north and from the south. It's exciting, isn't it? When we look at what we've been given, we feel a stewardship mandate for this body of believers as well, and we want to take Antioch's example and help change the world for Christ. Amen? We have much more to tell you and much more to share with you, and we're going to do that in the adult uh, Bible study excuse me, Bible classes the next two weeks. Half will be on uh, February 24th, half will be on March 3rd. And then we're also going to provide all the backup information on a website as well. This morning, we simply wanted to celebrate God's goodness in the past and today and give you a future feel for the vision that we want to share with you here at McDermott Road. When Barnabas challenged Antioch to remain true to the Lord with a steadfast purpose, he didn't leave them hanging. He equipped equipped them just to do just that. He knew that when he arrived in Antioch, this group of Christians needed to be encouraged, fed the word of God, and then encouraged again to do greater things for the kingdom. Barnabas taught for a little while, then always thinking about what was best for others Barnabas said, I know someone who could even teach better. So he walks 97 miles to Tarsus, gets Saul, brings him back in the Bible, as we just read earlier, talks about how Saul taught a great number of people. And God blessed their teamwork, their vision, and their prayers. Just as the Antioch church, we have a purpose rooted in Scripture to be a distinctive church that uses its time, talent, and treasure to glorify God and bring His good news to a lost world. May God bless us and continue to bless us in the future as we work in His kingdom.
0: It's been a good morning, hasn't it? You know, I I suppose I could just worship at my house with my three family members every week, and we could just do what we do here only on a smaller scale. And I suppose each of us could do that. We could just meet with our families in our individual homes, but I don't know about you. I don't want to do that. I want you. I need you. When Paul talks about 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, when he talks about the church, he talks about it as a body. And he talks about how their strength in diversity that's unified. Diverse people with different talents and strengths and backgrounds and experiences and cultures. You are a different person than me, and I'm glad because the world doesn't need any more of me. But I, I'm glad for you and the strengths and who you are and what you bring to the table. And we are brighter together than any of us would be apart. And I believe there are unique things happening here. It's not just rhetoric that I get up here every week and tell you that I love you. I do love you. And I think that there are things going on here that you can't find other places. And I think that the direction we're going and our shepherds and the vision they have and the commitment they have to being a church like we find in Scripture and being a christ centered church who speaks the truth in love, I believe this is worth doing everything we can possibly do to bring as many people here to experience this, to experience you, to experience this togetherness as possible. I want as many people as possible to participate in what's going on here. In breaking bread together, in drinking the cup together, in experiencing your love. You know, I talk to people all the time that say things like, you know what, I actually grew up in a small church, and I say, me too, I did too, and they say, this is the biggest church I've ever been a part of, and I say, me too, I've never been in one like this before, and they say, but there's something about it that feels unique. It feels like a smaller church. I felt like I was home as soon as I walked in the door. I hear that a lot, and that's the way I feel too, and I don't want to stop where we are, I want as many people as possible in our community to experience what they can experience here, to participate in what we're doing here, and to help us as we reach more people in our community. Because, church, listen, that's a mission field. Right outside your door, that's a mission field. And there are people from all over the world, some of whom have never even heard the good news of Jesus. And they need us to open our mouths and tell them. Not a program, not, not, not something complicated. They just need us to tell them Jesus loves them and tell them how to come to know him. We need to do that. And we can do that better together than we can apart. And so, all year we're talking about a moment of truth. Well, this is it. This this month, in in the coming weeks, as as we kind of share some more information and get into all the facts and figures and all that, as we sort of share all of that with all of us, this is a moment of truth where we have to decide, as a congregation, who are we going to be? Are we going to take the next step by faith? Are we committed to being a city on a hill? Are we committed to being salt and light in this community? Are we committed to togetherness? Are we committed to doing everything within our power to bring our resources and our manpower and our talents and our strengths and our diversity together so that together we can reach our community and then begin to reach neighboring communities and to continue reaching communities all over the world? Will we do whatever it takes to shine as brightly as we possibly can. That's the challenge that's been set before us. And so as we think about that and pray about that over the next few weeks, let's respond with faith. Every week we offer an invitation, and this is no different. We're going to stand and sing a song, and if Jesus can help change your life through something we can do for you this morning, then come forward, or go and pray with the shepherds. But all of us respond, not just this week, but every week, we respond to the invitation. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with his call? What will you do with this mission? What will you do with this vision? We really do shine brighter together than we do apart. Are you, and will you continue to be a part of that? Come forward if we can help you as we stand and sing.